they thought I was carrying a dagger. And it was like, I can see why you would think that. RPS Electronic Wireless Show. It is Wednesday the 19th of July. I'm your host Philip War and joining me today as per usual are Brendy Caldwell. Hi. I'm experimenting with some new intonations. I know and I and... said hi instead of hello. <laughs> and Adam Smith. Hello. I don't know what that was. <laughs> How are you both? Good. Very good. Yeah. Very, very good. Excellent. <laughs> how we're building on this, it'll just go back and forth until one of you explodes with joy. <laughs> how are you, Pip? How are you? Um, I'm actually fine. I wanted to give an honest answer and then realised I'm fine. <laughs> and that's not very exciting. The frogs in the pond are doing well, so that's me pleased, usually. So you know. That's who I really wanted to know about. Do you mean... You have a pond, or there is a pond nearby you that has frogs? I mean, there's a pond in the house I'm currently living in's back garden. So it's not technically my pond, but I feel a kind of ownership over it because I'm the current caretaker. Okay, you feel an affinity with these pond frogs enough to <laughs> enough to make sure that they're okay. Yeah, well, when, um, when the frog mating season happened earlier in the year, it got so frenzied and hot and heavy that I could actually see frogs doing it from my window upstairs. <laughs> um, and so sort of from then on, uh, I've been keeping tabs on the life cycle of the tadpoles and their just general cool evolution into frogs in a way that I haven't ever done before because I've never been in that proximity you know and so it's just really cool watching them gradually develop these legs and then figure out that they can get out out of the water and start sitting on like twigs and things oh my god it's like you have a whole pond full of pokemon (laughs) and now a lot of them are coming to the end of that metamorphosis and so they've just got maybe the the tiniest stub of a tail left but they're about the size of your fingernail and they'll sit on the um on the little lily pads and things in a very you know cartoonish way but they're just so tiny and so kind of um obviously this is totally anthropomorphizing them but you wonder what how they're feeling because obviously it must be so different to being a tadpole and sort of being suddenly above the water and having (laughs) having lungs and you know this whole new perspective on life and i do find myself wondering if they're just kind of enjoying it you know somebody once told me on the subject of metamorphosis and i never actually checked if this was true but somebody once told me that when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon it turns into soup and then becomes a butterfly and that can't be true Sweet. We should just talk about this for the rest of the podcast. Like, no more video games. <laughs> just going to talk about animal metamorphosis from now on. 
as with most things, it frightens me. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. Really? I don't, yeah, no, it freaks me out. I'm afraid of most things uh, that crawl and squirm and fly and flutter. So life's hard. Is for that me. why you're so into horror games? Because literally, life is a horror game for you. Yeah, so I, you know, horror games are relatively safe compared to a garden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, so something's come to get me from hell. Big deal. Still not a crab. <laughs> <laughs> well, having exhausted one of the things that I can see from my window, uh, let's turn around to the other wall and talk about games merchandise. <laughs> for that is our theme for this week. reason that I was thinking about this was because um, every now and again we get press releases for, you know, oh, such and such a bit of games merch is coming out. Sometimes it's, you know, a tie-in comic. Sometimes it's a range of those absolutely repulsive figurines with the heads. Um, <laughs> and I sort of I, I do find it really interesting because sometimes you look at the things and you think that's actually a well thought out tie in that feels like it makes sense and then sometimes you just look at it and you go oh it either it's massively inappropriate or it's just boring and so as somebody who does occasionally buy games merch for various reasons I thought it would be interesting to talk about why we do or don't pick stuff up I think with those they're called Funko Pops right or something like that the little the, yeah the, ones, the, the kind of you know generic looking um, uh, figures with big heads that are just branded for whatever it is and they just kind of all look vaguely like the thing they're supposed to be and I think they I don't get that. I don't get pe- I I you know for myself collecting like a a line of things. If I was going to collect it it'd be around a specific thing that I liked rather than, you know, all the things if that makes sense. You know, I I don't want to have a Funko Pop for everything I've ever heard of. Which <laughs> Well, do you think that's what people do? Do you think they collect them in the way that people collected Beanie Babies in that they collect Funko Pop? Or do you think that they yeah. collect... But the, like, the, the Forbidden Planet in Manchester now has pretty much an entire floor dedicated to those things. And you see people just buying basket loads of them. And and maybe they just like all that stuff. But, you know, um, I don't like enough things that I'd want to have that many. I'd maybe have one or two. Uh, at the minute, I don't have anything. I don't collect anything at all. But in and and I don't think I ever have. I don't think I've ever bought anything independently. But what I have done is bought special editions that have stuff in. But again, that was all in the old days. And like, I don't know if it really classes merchandise. But I used to love maps for games. Uh, like when I was a teenager, I used to have maps on my walls, and it was like oh, you know, fantasy lands and stuff. And then there was probably a GTA three one up there. Um, and they were vaguely useful as well, like um, you know, because they referenced the game. So, so for me, it was always stuff that would exist in the game world. I was more interested in rather than stuff that was just, uh, you know, here's a model of the character you play. I wanted stuff that was, um, yeah, kind of in fiction, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, maybe I'd buy posters for games if they were cool posters. But I'd probably buy the kind of minimalist, abstract ones that you get that people make that aren't official. Uh, because I think the official stuff tends to be a bit more like, look, here are all those characters you remember all on a poster together. 
and I'd rather have something that's a bit more Basically, I want stuff that people can look at it and not realize it's a game poster. <laughs> like, you think, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, oh, this is just some cool art I picked up, you know? Uh, I want a games poster, but classy. Yeah, but yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a terrible person. <laughs> How about you, Brendan? <laughs> I uh, am even more radically n- non merch. <laughs> Are you opposed to merch? Are you actually anti-merch? Uh, no, no, not really. Like, if people want to do it, that's fine. Go for it. Buy as many Amiibos as you want. But I've I've never really been into it. I've never really done it. Whenever I saw that this was going to be the topic, I actually checked my well, I checked like my Amazon order history. I tried to think back as best I could. I checked receipts in my like <laughs> email inbox, and I was like, I must have bought something. I must have done something. The only thing I could find was I bought two Undertale figurines, um, but they weren't for me. They were they were for someone else. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we do get a lot of emails with stuff in your news about special editions where they've given you like another thing and then or this thing or that thing, and it just it just all looks like tat to me, and I just don't want it. Um, <laughs> but also, I think that it it's not just a. A reaction to the merch itself it's also that i move around a lot and i like i've not been in the same house for more than two years since i was at home with my family so it, it doesn't make sense to gather a load of stuff you know the only thing like i i don't even keep a lot of my clothes or a lot of other stuff that i gather whenever i move so um the only thing that i have brought from house to house without question like without even thinking of getting rid of any of it has been books so a lot of other stuff i just kind of get rid of and i feel like if i bought merch it would have to be a really really special game and a really really special piece of merch and i would have (laughs) to have like i would have to have deep deep emotional links to this thing so in your book collection i'm guessing you have all the halo novelizations this is Oh, now that you mention that, I do have some Halo <laughs> novelizations because I got one as a kid, and my brother has bought me some since. So I do have those. <laughs> so yeah, I think books and yeah, that's it. I've had some posters, yeah, like you say, Adam. But I think I just mostly got them free in video games magazines. Um, so no, I'm not. I'm not a merch guy. But I heard Pepoir that you have <laughs> a rooms full of merch. And you have rooms full of merch that don't even belong to you. Dungeons. I have a, d- a merch library. <laughs> Are the frogs merch? Are the frogs secretly actually game tie Yeah, in? eventually they're going to develop, like, branding. <laughs> like, that's the final stage of the metamorphosis, is when they <laughs> finally grow in their branding. <laughs> you know, their, their logos and their advertising stripes. Just a little bullfrog logo on top of one of them. But you, you, oh. you did say that you, you, you used the the phrase you used at the beginning of this conversation was, uh, "I buy merch for a number of reasons." What I do. I want to know what those reasons are because I I want to know what the merch is. I want to both of those things. Okay, so some of it is entirely um, pragmatic, as in there was one occasion where at an esports tournament I managed to spill something down myself and actually needed a new t-shirt, so bought one (laughs) from the store. (laughs) Um, And the t-shirt was nice and I kept it. Um, But in other 
sorts of things. It's more in the sense of that you were saying, Adam, about going to concerts and picking up band merch and stuff. So when I go to esports tournaments, sometimes I will pick up, you know, uh, the um, like a plushie or like a a thing just as a kind of souvenir of an enjoyable time at the thing, you know? Yeah. So there's a few of those on my shelf. There's like a, a sort of stuffed bear and a stuffed wolf and things. Um, but I don't go crazy with those. Like I wouldn't pick them up for everything I go to. It's only if I happen to like the merch and the tournament, if that makes sense. Um, because otherwise that's a sure fire way to an empty bank balance and a shelf full of toys that you don't want to get rid of but don't really want to keep or cart around so um so there's those and then there's like so interestingly um the league of legends merch store annoys me because they have t-shirts that are marked unisex and then t-shirts that are marked women and clearly have a different cut and the unisex ones are so sort of that like male straight up and down cut or traditionally male straight up and down cut that like on me i know they're going to look dreadful but on the women's t-shirts it's a far smaller selection and it's sort of very or it feels very stereotypically like female designs um and so that's kind of frustrating because their t-shirts in their women's range actually do fit me a a lot better than a lot of t-shirts from regular stores (laughs) So I've actually ended up with a few from there with like characters that I don't even play featured on them just simply because they're comfy t-shirts. I, I guess that uh, people are aware of this, maybe not, but we do get given a lot of um, stuff by people and it's mm-hmm. not valuable stuff. I've never been sent a graphics card or anything like that. But um... <laughs> Dropping a hint there, Adam. Dropping a hint. <laughs> yeah, I really do need one. <laughs> um... But no, it's um, uh, you go to a booth at a show or you go to a preview event and often they'll give you like a goodie bag as you're leaving. And it's usually got a USB stick in, which has got assets on, which you actually need. But uh, the T-shirts I get are just pajamas. And like uh, this morning I woke up and I was wearing a Space Hulk Deathwing T-shirt as pajamas, which, you know, seems quite <laughs> excessive, really. But I have to do a test with them. I always like I'll unpack them. I never look at them when I'm there and I'll unpack them when I get home. And uh, I show him to Claire, my girlfriend, and I'm just like, you know, hey, what do you think of this one? Is it outdoor t-shirt? And it's always, no, <laughs> no, you are never wearing that outdoor. So they're all pajamas now. I usually just leave those bags behind. I Yeah, I often do. I, just, I like, just don't want them. So I like, like leave them under my chair or something. Well, like, generally, it's that thing of, like, you do either end up with this collection of black XL Mm t-shirts just with mm -hmm. whoever's branding on them which, you know, what am I going to do with an XL man's t-shirt? Like, I mean, even laying aside the fact that I don't wear branding as a matter of course, you know. I once got given one of those bags and what I often do is I'll just take them back to my hotel and then just shove them into my suitcase um, without really thinking about it just because I'm like, you know, there's probably something I need in there. So I don't bother going through it. I'll just shove it in there. And I did that one time, but um, I got to security at the airport and put my suitcase through and 
Oh no! It, yeah, it started to beep, and they were like, "Are there any fluids in your bag?" And I was just like, "No." And then I was like, "Actually," and then I was like, "Don't say you don't know what's in your bag." So I was like, "Oh yes, I think I might have left something in there." So they opened it up, and inside this bag was a bottle made to look like a bottle of blood, which you know <laughs> was really good fun to explain. It turned out it was tomato <laughs> juice, but you know it was made to look like blood and as if it had been stolen from a hospital, you know, and. <laughs> So I was just like, yeah, no, I totally forgot that was in there. <laughs> I forgot I left that blood in the back. Sorry about that. I thought you were going to say it was like a, a bullet or something. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. they gave, like a fake gun or something like that. Funny you should mention that, not that specifically, but when I was on my way to Mallorca once, just for an actual holiday, I put my bag through um, the security thing to take on. And they started to look at me funny and they called me back over and were like uh what's in your bag and i was like uh, just the usual why and they're like can you think of anything that you shouldn't have packed in this bag and i was just like i don't know what you and they kind of like didn't really know what to do about it and it transpired that they thought i was carrying a dagger and it was like i can see why you would think that but it's a promotional pen from percy jackson and the lightning thief <laughs> and so but it was like in the shape and it was metal as well so it clearly wasn't like showing up as you know a pen on the inside so it was just showing up as this like metal dagger that i was trying to take <laughs> onto the plane and i'm like um oh god <laughs> i'm so sorry when um the uh the 2013 i think it was the 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 thief reboot game um uh was doing promotional tours i I went over to montreal uh for the reveal of that and they had built the uh crossbow that garrett uses in the game they got a blacksmith to make it and uh and and it was amazing it was better than the game it was this incredible (laughs) thing but it was a proper functioning uh working well it's a sorry not a crossbow it's an actual bow but it had loads of mechanical components components it's really strange and kind of uh, you know a little bit clockwork and steampunky but uh but you know it actually works and you could use it as a weapon uh and they were taking it on promotional tours all around the world and they were just like yeah every time it's a real real problem getting through customs getting through security <laughs> with this thing and it's like you just think I, I always wonder about cosplayers as well like you see these cosplayers and they have like massive swords or guns a lot of them they dress as soldiers and stuff and like how do you get into the country like, and is it really difficult? I think it's interesting because I think it's that thing of being at an event as well for a prolonged amount of time. So when I was at the International, you're there for, you know, the best part of a week, sometimes a week. And you're seeing other people with their like little toys and, you know, T-shirts and things. And it does distort the reality of the thing because it's kind of like being at summer camp almost and everyone has the things and you don't have the things and do you really want the things and will you still want them after the event has finished or are you just caught up in the the hype of it all but also because you know valve have really got a hang on this you know the the monetization side of their game you know credit to them and all of my money um but so you end up with situations where you get things like those blind boxes so you buy 
the you, you buy one and you don't actually know what specific character is inside it but there's you know a selection that it might be and some super rare ones kind of like how their in-game loot works weird, weird. So, so is that like with figurines or something yeah so um like the last time i was there they had uh these sort of keychain plushes so they're about the size of your fist maybe and they were you know i think there were about eight or nine different characters that it could be but you didn't know when you bought the box which one it would be and so people would buy multiples and then open them up and then if they had duplicates they'd swap them or you know you'd walk past people with little signs that said need sand king will swap winter wyvern <laughs> how much did the box box cost? oh they're not cheap i can't remember exactly but it's you know it is all there's a lot of money involved and there was also a sort of mini game in terms of as you spent more money they would give you little sticker packs i think and if oh, you completed a sticker thing then you'd be able hateful. to exchange it for oh this uh, is so so hateful oh my god but I mean, you know what it, i said are you anti-merch brendan <laughs> now you are <laughs> But I'm just like no, I'm just anti like business practices that are so manipulative that they they do this thing like they're already manipulative in the game like oh god and then they've just done it in real life oh but I hate- so in the first year that I went which was uh, the third international they had a sort of a version of that but instead of them being in like fancy packaging boxes they put them in those kind of giant kinder egg toy things those big eggs that machines spit out and you don't know what's inside them and so you would just walk past grown men on the steps of Benaroya Hall just like surrounded by halves of plastic eggs covered in plushes that's even worse (laughs) because that removes the human element of shame from from it oh god <laughs> but it's that weird thing of like it has currency while you're at the event and there's like kudos attached to it and there's you know like a, a sort of uh that economy of want i guess but then i i do find myself wondering what those people feel about it at the end whether it's like a sunk cost <laughs> thing and so you so you sort of continue to believe in it or whether they go home and like they've just got a, a just cry big... into their plushies well yeah or you sometimes at like league of legends events people collect lanyards you know like if you've got so they tend to have the different lanyards for your passes that you wear around your neck as um like adc support you know that kind of the different roles in the game basically and so people will sometimes try and collect a full set and i've had people come over to me and be like oh, can i have your lanyard and I'm like, I need this to go places. And they're like, oh yeah, but you can keep your parts. I just want your lanyard. <laughs> just like, well, I'm getting nothing out of this. And this is helping me keep track of my past. So no. Um, but they can be quite sort of, but I want it. <laughs> yeah. There's a very thin line, I think, as well, between having some merch and then being a collector. If you collect something, like, you know, there's some other uh, impulse behind you getting all of that thing. Or all of those types of thing, and that extends even beyond video games, you know. But but you're just buying some merch for one game or one thing that you particularly like is is different from that. I feel you know. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's lots of different types of people, and I'm I'm not I'm not them. Yeah, well, once you stop moving around, you'll just be on your throne of merch, going, "What yes. was I thinking before?" <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> 
<laughs> just uh, just stacks of amiibos all consulting me on my throne. <laughs> yeah. It's the weirdest thing that I saw recently, just because, I mean, I've, I think um, we may have covered this, I'm not sure. We probably didn't, actually, because we shouldn't. Um, but do you see Assass- <laughs> Assassin's Creed Origins has a £700 special edition? And I just look at it and I think, okay, right. I want. I try and put myself in the mindset of someone who's like, you know, I love Assassin's Creed so much. I will buy a seven hundred pound. You've already lost me. Collect edition. Well, yeah, okay. But then I look at it and I'm like, it doesn't look like it would be anywhere near worth that. And I'm like, what is the value here? So you get a twenty inch statue, or is it twenty eight inch? But you get a big statue of a man with a bow and an eagle. Uh, you get four lithographs. You get uh, a steel book. You get the official soundtrack, you get a map and art cards, an art book, and a premium Eagle Skull amulet. Right, and then you get all the pre-order missions. Uh, there's a couple of those and some clothes. So, like, none of that adds up to 700 pounds. Nowhere near, you know. So, so the value of it is the fact that it's collectible. And then I was like, the, the thing here that gives it that much value, if it has that much value to anyone, is a certificate of authenticity that says what number it is. And that is all I can think that has the value in it, because all that other stuff you can get separately. It does exist separately. The only thing in there that doesn't exist separately is the certificate of authenticity, and um, that that is something that I I don't think I've ever understood. Not with you know music. When I when I was a teenager and I was really into music, I would buy limited edition CDs. You know, I'd, I'd want the Japanese version of every CD I bought because it had a couple of extra tracks on, um, and I'd buy vinyl. You know, as well as CD. Uh, and but you know, if someone had said you know, hey, you know, this new album's got a 700 pound edition i would just been like well that's ridiculous you know there's there's, it just doesn't make sense to me that 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 is completely baffling to me well i wonder if i mean obviously our relationship to a lot of the stuff that accumulates outside of games in terms of like physical tat is it probably really skews our relationship to it because something has to go really above and beyond because we've seen so many black t-shirts and so many badges and so many this that and the others my um my partner has lots of like miniatures collections for games and obviously that's part of playing them but it does spill over into like dota figurines and there are sort of special edition games things like he's got one of those corvo masks from the dishonored 2 thing but i'm convinced it's evil so it has to live in a cupboard so it's not even like he's enjoying it like it's it's in a cupboard under a thing so that it can't get out you ever wake up and it's just hanging on the wall in the bedroom i'm convinced that this will happen and it will probably be the thing that the last thing i see will be that mask um wow but (laughs) see i'm convinced (laughs) the last thing i'll see is a frog but you know (laughs) and like once because obviously he's in the same line of work as we are um he got something from i think it was the total war people and so it was essentially a case of just opening the morning post and then suddenly there's a skull with blood dripping off it so it's not even stuff that you know you can sort of just put outside for someone to take because it's like uh (laughs) don't ask any questions (laughs) 
in that case, uh, we have thoroughly examined the, uh, the game's merchandise business from every single conceivable angle. So, shall we switch our attention to something totally different in the form of the game Sundogs? Let's do it. I want to do that. Yes. <laughs> um, I was pleasantly surprised in that this is one of those games that I recommended to you to. I, I think I knew that Adam had already played it, yeah. but it, I have had such a poor track record with you, Brendy, of like picking things that you can bear to spend time with that I was so <laughs> glad to hear that you'd had maybe a more positive response to this one. So do you want to like give a bit of a description of, of what it was you were doing and, and the game? Yeah, so Sundogs is a interactive fiction kind of thing where you go around the solar system clicking on planets and then exploring them and you get different items and you just walk around. But the cool thing is is that you are post-human. I think that's the word that they... It's, they call it like a post-humanist adventure or transhumanist adventure or something like that. So when you die, you just kind of go back to the pla- the planet that you last spent in a jar you um you upload your consciousness that's it yeah various points and then you can reboot there yeah and you your mind gets different like uh um attributes so you get like a little survival attribute or you become good at bargaining or you become good at deception or things like that and they save in your upload but all the items that you collect along the way and all the Things that happen to your your body, which is called the sleeve, kind of uh, disappear if you die. If I was to describe it in the first sentence of a news post, I'd probably say it's 80, around the world in 80 days meets Mass Effect. <laughs> because it's very, very sci-fi. Yeah, it's got such a beautiful minimalist um, interface, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's basically just orbital planets and you click on them and you click on parts of them. I love... Um, Earth is amazing in it because you you start off on Mars, I think, or on like the elevator around Mars, and you can go down to Mars, uh, Olympus City, and all these cool like uh, sci-fi places. But when you get to Earth, you see that it's just a big blue ball, and you're like, oh, I, I I'll just go and see Earth, and it's basically all ocean. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. there's a tiny bit of land left, but it's mostly ocean, um, and it, the only people who live on it are kind of like villagers, people who seem to have been left behind and stick to kind of old ways and aren't spacefaring and aren't really into any of that and they just live in small collectives um and it's really nice because you can go down and like help them out and they're not post-human they're not transhuman they don't have any of these cybernetic implants or they can't upload their consciousness or anything and when you go down they all come to you and they're like they're like oh wow you know a post-human ooh. And they like make friends <laughs> with you, and it's really, um, it's really strange. But yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. It reminded me a lot of Ian Banks' kind of culture novels. At one point, like he stopped. I think my character stopped pain from happening, or cut off some sense of smell, or something like that, which is really similar <laughs> to what the 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 people do in the culture novels. Like they have chemical glands that they can, like drug glands that they can just use at will. It reminded me a little bit of Eve Online as well. Because in that game as well, you're a capsuleer and your consciousness is somewhere else. And that's how they explain death is when you die, oh, you're just back. You're just back to the next station. 
and that felt a lot like what was going on here. Um, but I like that they've wove, woven that into the fiction of it. Something that I really liked was, um, so you go to a location and then you can sort of examine it to get either, sometimes you get uh, opportunities to pick up resources or these new implants and things for your sleeve. But some, you know, more often it's like a story segment or a little vignette. And something that I really liked was just clicking that examine button multiple times and just getting fed different snippets for a while. And yeah. so you'd sort of get that real sense of killing time looking out of a window seeing ships pass overhead you'd have you know tiny interactions with things and it was just enough to make it feel like you were loitering in a place and actually seeing some of the the life of that space pass you by or um i think i ended up on mercury or something uh, somewhere very near the sun basically and there was an element of push your luck to that like I wanted more story but I was also aware that something bad might happen to me because of the solar flares and things yeah yeah but this is the this is what I really like about it is that it's kind of a good depiction of the problem of being beyond death of having death not really be a problem you're not really afraid to die you know it's possible and you don't want to happen because it's an inconvenience and <laughs> You so you keep exploring a place, or you descend deeper into, like for instance, a an old ruin or something like that, or you take bombs or bacterial stuff or chemical things that look dangerous and you probably shouldn't take, but you do it because what the hell you're immortal, and the only thing that worries you is, oh no, I'm going to lose some stuff or I'm going to have wasted some time, and I I find that really fun and really interesting because you ca you catch yourself thinking in in the the way that you would think if you were post human. Like a cybernetic modder, I think, offered me the choice of these choice of body mods. And I had already died a few times and lived a few times. And I looked at the choice of body modifications that he at, that he offered to me. And I was looking among them and I was like, well, I've had this carapace before. And <laughs> I've used this cloak before. So I don't really, you know, and I can only have one. So I was like, oh, what's this? It's a bacterial cocktail. I, I was like, I'll take that, even though it's the worst sounding thing on that list. It sounds awful. And I just took it. I just took it because I was immortal and it's novel, you know, um, mm. which I think is a very post-human way to end up thinking. I think it encourages you to try new things. And it's annoying because some, thing some things do repeat themselves. Like when you click that explore button, I feel like that, you know, that, that gets in the way of the, the, the game having uh, a sense of novelty but it also does add to the the feeling of oh i've seen this before i don't i don't care about this <laughs> that transhumanist ennui <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah i really enjoyed it um i think it's a little bit expensive for what it is which which is because it's seven pounds which isn't a lot but it is essentially quite a lot of nice writing and I don't think it's expensive because it is essentially writing. I think it's expensive because I could buy a really good book for that. And crucially, it wouldn't force me to reread passages justifying new bits of the book. I didn't, I don't know if I got seven pounds out of it, but I realize I that's right. I realize that's relative. I think it's that thing where it, the way that it's styled and the sparseness of the writing and the fact that you can run into those repeats within a relatively short space of time 
I think it sort of it styles it as a smaller game, which you would expect to have a smaller price tag, and mm. so it it's that awkward thing of I I think it's worth the money, but I struggle to justify it because of how the game presents itself. Because it feels like a game that should be four ninety nine, but that's just a price tag that pops into my head that, when no, I that, see it. That's exactly how <laughs> I feel. Is that I feel like it should be like four or five pounds, which is so stupid when you say it because it's li- it's literally two or three quid difference, <laughs> and you just feel like oh well, you know, does it? Why why is that? Why does that make a huge difference? But it just feels like it's been priced a little bit wrong, and I don't know. I feel like it'll sell a lot better when it goes on sale um and if well if it goes on sale and somebody points out and goes well this is on sale and it's quite good so yeah. get it yeah it's a mental it's a mental stumbling block when i do recommend it to people and i think it's like it i think that the price that it is is an awkward price point in terms of current relationships with games and what you expect for particular amounts of money but um adam what did you end up thinking about i really like it i I really liked it when i first played it and i was happy to go back to it but uh you've talked about it a lot already and i don't think i can add anything intelligent but i want to talk about another game that it reminded me of uh, which is actually relevant right now because um there's been some news about it which is a game that uh, i wrote about many many years ago um and feel very old when I look at these old articles. In 2014, it's called uh, The Black Crown, uh, and mm. it's written by a guy called Rob Sherman, and it was uh, actually a collaboration between Fail Better, uh, the people who do Fall in London and Sunless Sea, and uh, Random House, the publisher. And it was an experiment for Random House to do a uh, interactive narrative, and commercially it was a disaster, apparently. And um, and it was taken. I was at the launch for that. It sounded really interesting. And then he went on to do a residency at the British That's Library. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it was taken offline. They they took it. They took it away because you had to play it online. And I mentioned it because it has some similarities to Sundogs in that it is this. You know, it's it's a, it's a game made of words. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And I was really upset when it was taken offline because it just wasn't accessible. You, there was no way to actually play it anymore. It's it's. It's got some similarities in that it's got this transhuman slash posthuman uh, element to it, but it's more horror themed. You don't really know what you are or why you are, and a lot of the game is about discovering why you're doing the things you're doing and what what still exists of your body or if you, if you even have a body. And uh, there's a lot of body horror in it. Uh, but the um, this would be really sad if I ended this by saying, and you still can't play it. But actually. Um, Rob Sherman has now made it available to download for free in its entirety. So you can get the whole thing, um, everything attached to it as well, all the sketches that were done for it, because Rob was an artist as well. So he's, he's, he's put everything out and he said people can do whatever they want with it as long as they don't commercialise it. So it is back, and that's just in the last week. Uh, oh, that's a pity we can't commercialise it, because we could have got some merch made. Uh, I would have gotten you a tea, <laughs> a tea towel with what you like the description that you just gave of it. Is that you don't know what you are, you don't know why you are. <laughs> just, just written on a black tea towel. That is actually what's written on my tea towel right now. <laughs> I feel like we're missing the obvious, which is that we should just do a line of crowns. They're all black. You can have any colour as long as it's black. <laughs> the, the pushy fruit would be a wounded pig. And that tells you everything you need to know about the Black Crown Project. Oh, God, yeah. I'd highly recommend 
taken a look at it. I think it was a really, really interesting um, piece of writing. And Rob's a brilliant writer. He's actually written for us. He wrote a, uh, a, a very long piece on game inventories for us. But I've all, there was also a big interview that I did with him back in 2013. But yeah, we'll, we'll put up the link to the um, Black Crown stuff so you can take a look at it because I, I hope it gets a new audience now. Um, like it's a mysterious kind of thing, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 partly mysterious because of the way that Rob writes. It's um, it's this kind of weird, surrealist sci-fi. The, the closest thing I can think that people might recognize is China Mieville, which it's not actually that similar to, but, um, but it has the same kind of, grotesqueness about it um that it treats science fiction as a place that is frightening and the things that can happen to our bodies and the things that can happen to technology uh are somehow twisted uh and cronenbergian as well in that sense but with as a game specifically rather just a piece of writing so much of it is about presenting you with like these mysterious and horrific scenes um and there's a lot of bureaucracy in it as well it has this kafkaesque thing where it's like it's like am i just an office worker in this weird future that where being an office worker involves lots of pain and dissatisfaction with your own existence (laughs) and so it's like is it all just a metaphor and then there's the wounded pig that talks to you that it's it's incredibly bizarre uh but but it works really well to me as an interactive piece because so much is about testing the limits of what you're willing to do to yourself and with yourself. Uh, and and that's why it reminded me of Sundogs in a way, because one of the things I like about Sundogs is exactly what you're saying. It encourages you to think in this exploratory way. There's a sense that no harm can come to you, but you're still like, well, but, but do I really want to do this stuff? Is this is this okay with me? And I think Black Crown's really good at that. And I think Sundogs is, is, has a similar thing to me. One of my favorite things about Sundogs is when you die, when you do die, it's often unavoidable or a little bit mysterious. You don't know exactly why you've been killed. You can't explore what has happened any deeper because you are not there anymore. You're somewhere else, you know, back in a different body. For instance, I was killed. Uh, I'd been killed by a big ship engulfing a planet in some kind of fire or light, and I couldn't, I didn't understand why that had happened or what was going on. I got killed by a stray micrometeor that just ruptured a few, my few, my fuel line at one point, and uh, just blew the pod up like just randomly out of the blue, out of nowhere. And one time, a guy, I, I don't know why I was in a quarters, a sleeping quarters or something, or a hotel, and I opened the door, and there was a man with a gun just standing at the door, <laughs> and he just shot me in the head. And I was like, "What? why did you do that? What have I done? And it might have been something that I had done along the line is the thing, and I can't remember what I had done to upset that person. Did I ask some questions somewhere? Did I pick something up? Did I download something I shouldn't have been downloading? Did I look at something or see something that I shouldn't have seen? You insulted his vast, vast Funko Pop collection. <laughs> <laughs> or was it only like a case of mistaken identity or something? Something can happen when your mind goes into somebody, like another body that may not look like you had looked like before. You know, so there are all these possibilities and you don't know. So there's an air of mystery in what's going on. And also after a few deaths, things do happen to suggest that you know, this world, like, you don't necessarily live forever. Your memory is altered and, and warped by what's going on with Doesn't all of your deaths. Does it start to corrode? Or have I made 
that up. Yeah, it yeah, it does. It starts to well first you start to f- I don't want to spoil too much because that feels oh, like the sorry, only thing yeah. <laughs> that feels like the only thing that's consistent in the game because each time you die it gives you a little update on what's going on there and everything else is is um dependent on what you do and where you go and how you explore. So I don't want to say too much about it, but it is it does it does go somewhere. Um although I feel like the the, the ending uh in air quotes is is isn't that strong or, or doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it might if you play more and you see more of the world. Mm. Um but yeah, uh overall I think it's great it's grand. Buy it in a seal. <laughs> I'm glad we managed to find a thing that all three of us enjoyed. I was sort of wondering whether if that was a an impossible holy grail, but it can be done. It can be done. We've we we all enjoyed Old Man's story or Old Man's journey as well, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Mm. I think you've got a decent decent hit rate for pep pep games. Okay, that's good to know. I think I'd sort of I thought that the response to um Old Man's Journey was maybe a bit more lukewarm than than it really was. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know what that noise was, but that I feel like that was a good thing. Sun dogs, that's sun dogs, everybody. <laughs> I don't think I said that right. I'm not a natural advertiser. <laughs> sun dogs, you can buy merch. Get a carapace. Get a bacterial <laughs> cocktail. You can buy a nye. Seven ninety nine. There's a Stephen King story <laughs> in in the book Four Past Midnight, one of Stephen King's novella collections, called The Sun Dog. Um. And every time I see the title Sundogs, it makes me think of that. And it scared me when I was young. God, God no, let's not have me talk about being scared again. But the Sundog is a good we'll Stephen King finish. story. We'll never finish. You're yeah. scared of everything, all of the things. Yeah. Okay. Which fruits are you afraid of? Uh, pomegranate. Really? Yeah. Yes, because they've got secret things hidden inside them. They don't look like what they are. I love pomegranates. I, I think they're really incredibly tasty, but there's so many segments and anything could be hiding in there. They're deceptive. It's like it. It's like a three D living kaleidoscope, and I am not okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I mean, sure. Anyway, <laughs> shall we turn our attention to reader questions? <laughs> We've we've got we've got more comments and questions. Uh, people talking about the kind of things they do like collecting. And the first one was from our very own Richard Cobbett. I say our very own. Richard writes our RPG scroll bars column and uh, also writes uh, games. I recently uh, did the writing on the Long Journey Home. Um, and he says in response to our question asking for comments. The question he says one not Funko. Two, not Funko spin-offs. Three, Funko products being launched into the sun and rocket. Four, the rocket should not be made by Funko. And in response to that, <laughs> somebody has done an absolutely terrifying... Alex McHugh is at Ikebox, has done a really terrifying Funko Pop version of Richard with blacked-out eyes. It's horrifying. Oh, wow. So, uh, so that's good. You know, I'm, I'm glad that's happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has become what he hates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John B. Johns, John B. Johns, sorry, at John B. Johns says, um, I pretty much only get tanks and pins. Now, the pins thing I understand, but when he says tanks, does he mean tank? Hmm. I mean, like, I, I guess 
I don't know. It could mean tanks, or it could mean tank tops. Oh, it could mean tank or, tops, yeah. <laughs> or it could mean, like, tanks, like, petrol tanks, or, like, tankers. I mean, I assume... I feel like he's got tanks. I feel like he's got military tanks. I feel it in my bones. Military tanks. That's what I'm assuming. Which seems like, you know, <laughs> the opposite end to pins. It's like... And also, I, I'm wondering if that's just World of Tanks merch, or if mm. if it's like, again... The non-thematic, so you can just get like a um, Dragon Age tank, and it's just a tank, but it's got a Dragon Age logo on, and you know it's got nothing yeah. to do with it. Incidentally, the uh, the one of the head people at Wargaming who make World of Tanks does have a garage with with actual military tanks inside of it. Is so, isn't there? There's there's at least someone who collects military tanks. Doesn't someone at um, RuneScape at Jagex have tanks? God, well. maybe this maybe is more it is a thing. Maybe, yeah, maybe there are lots of people who collect tanks. I did not know this, but I'm now assuming that's true. But also, I was just going to say, are we going to then find out that actually it was just an autocorrect error and it mean you know pins and badges or something? <laughs> it's just a real autocorrect problem happening there. Um, I don't know. I one thing that I was wondering though is maybe. Um, merch will also gradually move towards like cosmetics and stuff because i think a lot of people spend way more on cosmetics than they would on like t-shirts and stuff so you know game skins for characters and you know unlockables and dlc i feel like if if one of those big open world games if you get a hundred percent then they should send you some merch in the post you should just automatically (laughs) or like a voucher for some that'd be good i'll move on an anonymous <laughs> at Alien Gas Mask says, My shelf of shame includes a few collector editions with broken metal tat. I keep them to remind me to never buy collector editions again. <laughs> Which, uh, it, it, As a kind of memento mori. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm interested by the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the use of the word tat, because we kept saying tat, and, uh, and it's obviously very derogatory. And, and I think we kind of came to the conclusion that we were using tat because we get sent so much of it or given so much of it and it just becomes you know um clutter uh, but it's interesting to somebody who actually spent money on these things to just go straight to tat as well <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's interesting because we do see the real lower echelons of what gets made yeah. but yeah. from from their comment it sounds like even the stuff that you would expect to be better quality is not yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of the time so yeah i'd be interested in if there's anything out there that people uh, sort of would say is super well made well you know like genuinely just good f- f- oh okay you should say that because <laughs> uh, at aperture silence who goes by yens or jens says uh, i collect japanese video game figures in particular the ones by alter a-l-t-e-r and I see this a lot with people who actually collect figures that, that you know, there are obviously people, uh, you know, companies that are well known for making very good figures and other ones. Where I, you know, I, I know people who do collect um, figures and they'll be really gutted if like an anime they like or a game they like, uh, the the license for the figures goes to certain companies. And I couldn't name them because I don't remember these things. But it's like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I really love this anime. And it's like, oh, no, the license has gone to the people who make the really bad figures. Um, and which is a really interesting thing to me that you know it's like you're not just buying it because you like the thing you actually want a good quality thing um, and I don't know if that's more a comic book thing maybe in the west but certainly 
um, in Japan, like the game figures are, are, you know, proper, proper big business uh, and incredibly well made. And there's obviously a crossover with anime and gaming a lot of time because, you know, you do get uh, Dragon Ball Z games all the time and um, the, there are a lot of them that are adapted. But uh, but I think of it more as a comic book thing in the West, you know, with, with the figures. Uh, but again, there's crossover there, obviously. I know you can get like um, specific Arkham Batman figures based on the games, you know, and because uh, they're a different version of that character. Um, but yeah, the, um, that that I know that uh, a few friends who are who who are far more into collecting cool things on that front um tend to go for picking up like japanese miniatures and you know it's it's sometimes like themed stuff for final fantasy sometimes nintendo and things and i'm not talking like uh, uh amiibo things but it's like little food sets that are themed around pikachu or there's you know like um proper tiny scenarios or scenes or you know almost like a you'd have for a doll's house but they're not designed to fit within a larger structure they're designed to be these tiny things that you have in a display case and some of those are just spectacularly detailed and really well made and so i think it's perhaps the 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 end of it the sort of the mass-produced commercial end of it is what we see and we don't want that stuff enough to actually dig into the the more handcrafted or the yeah, the more yeah. sort of expensive and better quality end of that stuff. Um, I I, I the last one that I'm going to read is um, um Meta Podcast um who just says if the game has a rad poster, I want that rad poster, which goes back to my thing, which is that yeah, I I still have a soft spot for posters. Um, and, and I think that it, when I said that I'd like the minimalist, probably non-official ones, I do like logos, um, like, because the, you know, they, they can be quite classy, you know, um, but yeah, but logos rather than characters, I think, I don't like characters on posters, that's true on box art and stuff as well, I'd always rather something that was, you know, representative of a thing in, you know, an abstract fashion rather than just like, here's a big face of a character floating you know, which happens with film boxes all the time at the minute. It's awful. Be imaginative, marketing people. Be imaginative. The problem is, is that <laughs> instantly recognisable stuff is what, you know, they want things that stick in people's heads. So uh, it's like, you know, put the characters up front. It does make sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that wraps up the questions. Um, and I, I'm going to insist on something now, which is that next week's topic I think should be we should do something along the lines <laughs> of the scariest moment in a game or the game that scared you the most or you know maybe the non-horror game that frightened you the most so we can really get all my demons out there wow no that I would think be that's really a good cool topic. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously it gives that. people people listening to this a heads up in case they want to get in touch with um, maybe uh, their own story of like a little brief thing about what they found scary or if they have any related questions that would be that would be really nice I think it's podcast at rockpapershotgun.com that comes to us now which is cool I can actually remember it <laughs> but yeah and also actually if anyone out there likes Funko Pop figurines I would be genuinely interested to know 
A, why? And B, like, whether you collect <laughs> them in and of themselves or whether it is that you collect the strand within the game you like or something. You, I'm just interested. You asked that so, so disparagingly. It was like, I would just like to know, A, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems dumb to, like, dance around it at this point. Like, I just, it's one of those things that has passed me by to the extent where I don't even have a foothold because I find them so creepy. I might get it. I didn't even know what a Funko Pop was before um, before this podcast, so you're not the only one, don't worry. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, so, we should do the wrapping up things as I desperately try and remember all of them. Um, you can, like I say, get in touch with us uh, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com um, you can find our darling website rockpapershotgun.com uh, we are on pretty much all of the social medias with at rockpapershot in various uh, formats for whichever thing it is um, you can get in touch with us individually uh, I'm at Philippa War on Twitter, which is P H I L I P P A W A R. Adam is at non economical, N O N E C O N O M I C A L, I think. I don't know, that sounded too long. <laughs> non economical. And Brendy is. Uh, I'm at Brendy underscore C, and you can just guess how to, how to spell that. <laughs> I believe it is still super useful to us if you like what we do and think other people should listen in as well if you drop us a review on iTunes. And that is everything I can think of. Have I missed anything out? No, I think you're good. I think you're good. We should go. Bye. Just goodbye, bye. everybody. <laughs> goodbye, Buckle Pops. I hope Funko get in touch with us with a class action lawsuit. No, they'll send us they'll send us a load of Funko pops. And a graphics card.